Hello, my friend. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. I hope you're well and I hope you're grooming yourself to look presentable to the world at large. It's quite a performance we have to uh, keep up with, right? Every day we have to sit there and uh, we have to fucking impress people. We have to impress ourselves. We have to go through this entire dialogue of um, doing stuff and then we go into the cycle of why am I doing it? Am I worth doing it? It's fucking never ending. But, you know, I've been thinking, man, it's crazy that there is this constant uh, back and forth in different spaces of the mind, right? Like when you want to f- uh, improve, you have these standards and everyone talks about goals, how you can achieve those goals and if you don't, you're a failure and you need to pivot and, and in all contexts, right? And I, and then you have people who are like, no, I'm not going to do that. It's, it, that's, that's the thing which is going to ruin me. And then you have people who are like, no, but that's the only way forward. And then you have people who are like, I'm going to escape from all that and do something that really means something to me. It's, I mean, is it easy to take a step out of this shit and just go look at it going, is this a great movie? Or are we all a part of it? And I, I find that quite, quite fascinating because... It's quite amazing that there's 7 billion people and everyone has this going on in their head at some point, at some level, at some, at, at, at I mean, it's not, it's it's at any um, kind of person, right? Whether, it, it, you, for various reasons, like the stories are different, but there is a story which is conflict uh, based. There's a story which is um, desire based. There is so many uh, things. It's like we have 7 million, 7 billion um various things simultaneously going on um and i don't know it's just it's mental right you have cruelty you have heartbreak you have sadness you have all of it and yeah what i find crazy about it is that how i don't know there there are a few people who can control the narrative right for everyone uh, and and how we are kind of how we succumb to that craziness like I don't know man it's like if you look at all the leaders if you look at all the politicians all the autocrats all the military leaders all the priests all the religious people and yeah 70 80 million maybe 10 percent of the population and they control seven billion minds i don't know if i've already spoken about this i'm kind of hesitant like am i did i speak about this on the podcast did i speak about this with someone very strange it feels like deja vu it's one of those weird if i do if i already have i apologize i tend to repeat myself but if i haven't it's amazing how we can all fall victim to a is it laziness or playing to a or just playing to something that's already been taken care of by someone else. You're like, fucking, it's just easy, man. I can't. It's it's. I, I do uh, fall for the shopping, the consumerism. And of course, I, I subscribe to everything that was mainstream and that was um, given to me. And the aspirations, the, the, the need, the greed, the desire, the, 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 the seek for validation, for fame, for fortune. I've fucking been there and I'm glad to say I'm no longer there. I mean, it keeps pulling back, right? It's like one of those whorehouses that you visit once in a while, which you say, no more, no more. It's like a cigarette. It's like smoking. You've been there and you're always like, ah, what will happen if I just do one more cigarette? Yeah. 
Exactly, just cigarettes and whorehouses. Very common, very similar. But it's very strong grip because everywhere around you, it's like that. And you really have to go out of your way to find someone or find a group of people or find just a way of life that isn't like that because it's it's not something that is preferred because you aren't um, going to be appreciated for that and you're going to be thrown uh, things at like, oh, fucking hippie or a crazy person or psycho loner just uh, all these weird things because uh, I mean there are a lot of people fortunately who are doing things that they want to do because they want to do it and not just sort of uh, following the lead as um, is told to them but it is very difficult to do that and uh, I, I don't know I don't have the answers like in comedy as well I mean I, I really enjoyed it but it started taking over the in, in, in the other context right the other non- essential things i mean of course it's it's not it is something you've got to focus on but when it takes over from the idea of making people laugh and it becomes the main narrative of oh why am i not getting to this place of recognition why am i not getting to this place of selling out certain uh certain number of tickets why am i not getting recognized by the platforms it keeps you wanting and that's what the system and the industry does in all aspects whether it's corporate it banking you just are felt uh, you are just made to feel that you're not ever um, there yet it's, it's this constant need to kind of fight for more to compete for more to put down others for more put down yourself because you didn't get where you were supposed to get and it's constantly keeping you in flux and uh, off balance and you're f- uh, you're never kind of going to look within and say you know what I know what I'm worth it's never the case because you're constantly being thrown under the bus because someone else is better than you and you're better than someone else and it's, it's it just has you uh, in different directions and that's what happened in my stand-up thing and I was just kind of focusing on the conversations that weren't as important as just being fucking funny on stage and i'm just talking about this today because i didn't really have any planned idea it's just this thing which has been um working on my mind in a um in a sense over the past few years because as an individual and you you kind of are living um a lot of the time without realizing what you're doing and you just sort of get by and it's good some people enjoy it i've enjoyed it uh it's hard to kind of take a step back and be aware of what you're doing, when you're doing, why you're doing, what you're doing. But when you do actually go down that path, you kind of are like, fuck, wait a second, what the hell have I been doing all this time? And um, many people, including myself, you kind of get into situations without knowing it. And 10 years later, you're like, whoa, where the hell did I come down and how did I get here? And um, yeah, it's interesting. And um, it's, it's, very, it's weird. It's weird how easy it is to get drawn into it and sucked into this need for more and this need for the approval from what you might call it the machine or the system or the structure or whatever it may be right in whatever field of work whether if you're in the arts or whether you're in the in the financial legal uh, technology sector it's 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 not the nature of work it's the nature of people who are delegating or or providing that kind of work right it's the it's the kind of uh it's the environment uh within which um ideas are worked on by people it's 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 however great the idea however good the intention of that idea however amazing the person who comes up the innovators the inventors what's happening now is you i feel this is fucking uh, present across the board right in 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 music and stand up in 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 the art, fine arts in theater in in the in, in in corporate law in advertising marketing and in anything it's just like you're, you're 
I mean, competition's great, but if it comes from a place where you know what you are and you can compete, it's good. But you, you, you're never let to know, or you're never let to know what the fuck. You're, you're never given a chance to know what and who and why you are what you are because it's always from one thing to another thing, from one thing to another thing, the next thing to the next thing, and just push this guy, push this girl, keep her unbalanced, keep her constantly doubting herself, and that way, we can fucking turn. Um, their work into profits, into money. And it's not a conspiracy, fuck it. I, I, if it is and you think it is, then do let me know. But I, I really think it's something that I got tired of and I still sometimes I'm like, fuck, what am I doing? I, I need to be back there. I need to get on stage. I need to fucking sell out. But I'm like, nah, it's it's okay. I mean, I'll, if I need to, I need to. But when I want to. It's, it's hard, but it's important. And I didn't mean to go down this path today. I really didn't have anything planned because... Uh, I, I sometimes just want to sit in front of the mic and talk to you um, without, and yeah, I don't, I, none, of, none of my introductions are scripted, not my conversations, but um, you know, sometimes when people say that they, they definitely want you to know that they haven't, but I genuinely, I just usually have some thought, like uh, whether when I read something or when I listen to something or, and uh, today I genuinely just switched on the mic and I was like, let's see, let's find out what this uh, brain this mind, this body will throw out of the face and this is what it decided to do. And it's fun sometimes. It's just like, uh, the, you know, the other part is like, what are you talking about? Is that what they want to hear? You are going on about some shit with sounding like a pretentious philosophical little prick. But hey, you got to trust your, trust in yourself and let go. That's what I decided to do in, uh, right now. And let me just wind this up, right? Because I think everyone uh, has a great... Um, I think everyone's life is a story that is important. I think everyone's life is, I don't want to sound cliched by saying it's theirs to live. Of course, it's theirs to live. Who the fuck? But having said that, it's not theirs to live because it's clearly being um, directed by someone or some people and not letting the person live their life. And that is something that is really sad. And of course, there are problems like poverty and there is problems like war and famine and lack of food and 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 there is there, there is hatred and there is a lot of violence and that's sadly this that's what it is some people have it some people don't some people have to experience that some people don't but it's across the board it's it's exploitation right in on different levels you might think someone sitting uh in a you know, glass skyscraper in Zurich is really, really fucking fortunate. Of course, more fortunate than the person who doesn't have clean water uh, or is being shelled continuously because they just happen to be in the wrong place at the wrong time or born into a certain country at the wrong time. But everything is a part of the same system. And the same people are interlinked and connected to bring about this system and make it work seamlessly uh, from the person who's control, who owns that bank or that hedge fund that owns the glass tower, controls the person sitting there, and to the investments that that person might make, which go into uh, creating these wars to get resources or to build a political block that will ensure certain strength for a certain group of countries versus others. So it's just a fucked up situation. I don't know uh, what other words to use to describe it because it's easier to 
just succumb to what is around you and say, you know what, I will play to this. And of course, I'm not judging anyone for doing it because I totally am. I'm not, I really am not. But uh, it is something that when you are aware of it, it is interesting to see and learn about what you want I wouldn't say out of life because life was going to throw whatever it has got to throw at you. But how you are made with everything that you've done, uh, with experiences, with, 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 with the inputs you've put into your mind and body, and how that can navigate the environment and this, this thing we call, uh, this experience we call life. It's, it's, it's quite a fascinating um path once you're on it and there are different labels for it different words for it but it's just that when you start looking at yeah uh, when you start kind of stop focusing on the distractions um, which is of course achievement success and material uh, material sort of building or material uh kind of the material value system it's just an interesting place because you really can spend time without um, external um, tools or external um, mechanisms and kind of just sit there and go wait a second it's quite a deep uh, place if I want to go deep or it's just quite an interesting place to be and it's all yours and once you start like sort of understanding that, you can just sort of have fun with it and realize what you what what sort of your demons are, if you want to call it, or what your friends in there are, and who you are uh, to yourself, and and maybe even what actually living and experiencing this life might mean for you. So it's pretty crazy, and you might realize that shit. I hate that music. I don't find anything funny in that way but I really love watching this because I like this kind of thing which stimulates my feelings or I really didn't realize that this person sucks balls so yeah I don't know it's something that I've kind of just been feeling and looking at and I just want to share that with you and having said that my guest on today's episode is a person who helps people Figure out relationships with themselves and with each other. Men and men, men and girls. No, men and men and women. As we say, men and girls. You should be careful. Men and girls, of course, of legal age. Uh, men and men and men, men and girl, men and women, women and women. Whatever relationships. That's why you're just you're going well with relationships. But then you have to go add finer details and fuck it up. Uh, but there are uh, a lot of things nuances that are um, surrounding dating there's a lot of stigma there's a lot of stuff that people don't want to talk about and don't want to share they don't they don't they, they don't want to uh, display uh, things that that are truly theirs and this sort of ties into what i just spoke about uh, they, they want to project this sense of uh, a certain identity that they think that people want um well while it might not be who they really are and there are these very interesting things that you need to figure out like vulnerability how much to show and how much not to show how how to navigate a real world a virtual world uh, dating apps uh, and my guest today is Haley Quinn she's 
a coach and a dating coach at that. And I didn't know that there are coaches because when I was growing up, there was no coaches except the guy who threw the cricket ball at your face. There were no other, and of course in sport. And uh, Haley is based in London and she helps a lot of people and she's a top coach in her field. And today we talk about exactly that, relationships, how to navigate this crazy, crazy world where everyone wants to be seen as a hero or a heroine and everyone wants to show only their strong side. It's a fun conversation with a very well-informed human being and I really appreciate her if she's listening. Haley, thanks for joining me. And you are in store for a treat of a conversation with Haley Quinn. And me, Sandeep Rao, hey, on the Soapy Rao Show. As always, I appreciate you for tuning in. And till next week, and till whatever fate has in store for us, take care of yourselves. Goodbye. God bless. Cheers. Catch you on the other side. Hello, Haley Quinn. Welcome to the Soapy Rao Show. Thank you so much for joining me. Oh, thank you for having me. Well, it's my pleasure to talk to someone who knows the intricacies of human uh, dating and mating. I don't know if that's the right <laughs> word, but um, let me just get into this thing that's been uh, on my mind when it comes to connection, right? Uh, why is in, uh, in, an, in an age where there's information, there's access, there's community, there's online options. Everything seems like it's designed for human beings to be together. Yet, why is it so difficult for someone to find someone else who's a partner, someone compatible, someone they can call a companion, someone they can rely on in an age like this? I think that comes, there's so many issues that are coming together that make this, I'm sure that if we interviewed someone from 100 years ago, they would complain that dating was difficult then too. But <laughs> for the modern era, I think there's definitely things that have arisen, mm. which make it harder for people to perhaps achieve what you might think is the most simple thing or the most natural thing that people might want to achieve in life. First of all, we, we have a lot more freedom and a lot more choice. And there's lots of benefits to that. You know, I think, again, if we took went back 100 years ago, there'd be lots of people who felt that their sexual preferences weren't allowed <laughs> or weren't yeah. catered for. And there was really only the, you, you had one choice on the menu, which was mm. to, you know, form a heterosexual relationship and get married. And now there are many, many different choices. Or join the church, whichever. Sorry. Or join the church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. There was a right. There was two. There was two. Um, but now there's there's so much choice, and I think, and there's also not the same perhaps imperative of time limit. Also, our relationships, women don't necessarily in some in a, some parts of the world. I'm obviously based here in London. Mm. Aren't reliant on a man in order mm -hmm. to provide for them. So there's not so much necessity around relationships. Yes, we have technology that helps us to meet one another in some way. Um, but again, lots of people would say, does that give us too much choice? Do we lose, with losing the human element, do we no longer um, remember that it's an actual human being that we're talking to? Do we over swipe? Mm. There's also lots of challenges. There's been a pandemic. Peter Inner, again, speaking from a sort of London-centric perspective here, they also say we get an extra 10 years of being a teenager from 20 to 30. There's like a yeah. people are getting married later, having children later, buying houses later. So, again, our time frame 
for which we execute this kind of life plan on has like radically shifted. So I think there's so many different reasons why the path to meeting someone and finding connection may not be straightforward. Yeah, you know, the thing is, we kind of have this, uh, when you talk about the past, we had this system in India, and it's still there in some places in India. And, you know, there are also the the the, the, the negative sides which come out, which, of course, aren't, um, you know, they, 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 they're horrific. Some of the stories you hear about dowry and the dowry harassment. But the, the concept of an arranged marriage is that your elders or so-called um, people who know more than you are giving this um, the, 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 the setup for you because they think that it will economically benefit you or your family or it puts you on this path which they think is better for you. And a lot of families and, you know, my parents, uh, I think that their parents met through this this concept of an arranged marriage. And of course, you're talking about choice and we have plenty of that now and in, even in a country like India where there are situations where arranged marriages are uh, prevalent. We, we, of course, have Tinder, we have Bumble, a bunch of other apps like Grindr and it, it's, 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 it's across, right? You see both uh, contrasting situations. Yet the idea of dating, um, because technically marriage is to find a partner, procreate and then you're, you're, you pass on your um, genes, right? I mean, if you go even further back, the idea. But uh, I, I'm, tr- I'm, I'm trying to understand what is it in today's context? Why is it important to date people and not just go for something like an arranged marriage and that way you're secure? Uh, you know, you have a partner and they might leave you, which in most cases they are leaving now. <laughs> They're realizing that, you know what, I don't need to be in this crap. So, uh, can, so what is the benefit for a human being? Let's not talk about man, woman or whatever gender, but what is the idea behind, uh, you know, dating someone? Maybe that's, I, I went up on a very long route about asking this question, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I know this might sound strange, but I actually think dating or getting to know other people in the romantic way can also be a way that we learn a lot and understand a lot of things about ourselves. So mm. perhaps our initial idea of Mm. who we would connect with usually ends up I think being quite far away from (laughs) who we actually connect with in the world the real way and I think in order to discover that I think meeting encountering dating people you know also dealing with things like having our hearts broken or feelings Mm. of being misled or being let down like this is I think fundamental to like the human experience and also being able to mature and develop as people to cope with things that may arise so whilst it's very nice when we hear somebody who met their you know they married their childhood sweetheart that they'd known since they were six years old for a lot of people who are out there particularly in really metropolitan places like the big cities of the world who are fighting the good fight going on many different dates having lots of different short-term failed relationships yeah perhaps also experiencing what kind of relationship they want in terms of how much commitment they like all of this becomes I think kind of a learning experience about who we are who we connect with best and how to deal with as I said sometimes quite emotionally challenging situations yeah I mean it's it's quite fascinating you know because for the the, the whole idea it should be quite straightforward right we we've, we've been 
human beings for quite a few hundreds of thousands of years, it should be pretty obvious that, you know what, I'm lonely, I'll find someone, right? Uh, <laughs> and some people talk about the tribe and some people talk about the sense of belonging to something bigger than them. But this sense of isolation is uh, is growing for, is you know, I'm not an expert in this, but even sitting, you know, I, I've been, I'm, I'm uh, been married for, I should get this right before I go on record, uh, for quite a few years now. And I mean, my wife and I, before that, we were doing, um, we were doing long distance, right? She was studying in, in, in New York and I was in uh, Bangalore. And there was a lot of uh, this idea of um, kind, kind of being a certain kind of boyfriend, right? You mentioned this idea of learning about yourself. And that happened a lot for me because there was this sense of insecurity that your partner is going to leave you for a guy in New York and uh, someone in your head someone better than you and you get jealous and you start fighting about and a situation which hasn't you know come up even and when you fight over skype it's really easy to sort of leave it hanging right when you leave uh, an online argument when you leave they make a lot of the stuff is just made up in your head and you reach to uh, reach a conclusion which is not even in their head possible so th this idea of the lockdown and pandemic and how did uh, that affect uh, in your experience the people you've encountered with um, you know people who are dealing with relationships or failed relationships or with loneliness or isolation how how did this entire thing um, feature in their life and how did it affect them Pandemic has been a really interesting time for dating <laughs> I think <laughs> well, the, probably the most weird thing about it is that dating didn't stop if anything, it it galvanized some people to become clearer that actually I would, I, you know, this is pretty bad, but it would be significantly better if I had somebody to go through this period in time with. So lots of people found creative workarounds to still continue to meet people in some way or another. So whether that was, we called it uh, here, Zoomancing, so conducting your relationships via Zoom hmm. or um, you know, going on lots of in, as again, in the UK, very cold walks around the park as your date, as opposed to being able to go out for like drinks or dinner. Hmm. Uh, it also meant that people um, accelerated the pace of their relationships. So hmm. when in the UK, we had sort of on and off lockdowns for a while. And that usually meant that people actually made a commitment sooner. You know, they moved in together when perhaps they wouldn't have made that jump without mm. those kind of circumstances surrounding it. So the um, I've also known people who had a, who've had long distance lockdown relationships who communicated through the entirety of lockdown, you know, this is like a year, 18 months, only to meet in real life and not find they're attracted to one another. Mm. So I think it was lots of people used that time to try and find human connection but again, like any period in time, there were issues with that. I think they said the big issues were people probably having somewhat real relationships with people online that just didn't manifest into relationships in reality when that became a possibility. Other people now left on the other side of the pandemic feeling even more pressure. Perhaps mm. they the pandemic came at an age in their life where they really wanted to find a partner because they're on a timeline not mm. self-imposed, usually biologically imposed, <laughs> to yeah. have children. And they feel like they lost two years, you know, um, for myself. I feel like, you know, I was, it was, uh, I, I was about six months pregnant so mm. when the pandemic started. So for me, it became this very strange shift where I remember almost being, you know, a, a single woman 
living and breathing and dating in London and then suddenly you open the door on the other side and I'm married with two children I'm like how did that happen so I think lots of people felt that strange kind of like accelerated pace of life change and they didn't really quite have time to rationalize everything that went on between point a and point b yeah that's that's quite it, it almost feels like that was a pause right and in and in some way it kind of pre-pandemic uh, there was a certain way you looked at it then there was a big pause and then everything was expedited right like we went into fast forward kind of thing people are like you know what i'm not going to save i'm not going to live the way i was living before and it's quite mm-hmm. interesting but you mentioned this word which is quite a fascinating word for me because in today's context you said the reality right when people met um and we almost have that world we have the online world where people have this projected way of looking um or the projection of themselves whether it's with instagram and showing the highlights of their lives or with whatever it could be pinterest or could be facebook um and then you have the real um meeting in intimate physical interaction a human ancient kind of interaction so what is um is there something I, i don't know if it's a good or bad but is there a thing you see where people are really good with that online interaction but when it comes to the physical there is a thing or vice versa is there, is, is there something you observe absolutely i think there's this is actually a, what you mentioned is actually a huge challenge for daters particularly those that are choosing to meet people purely for whatever reasons online mm. and it's that feeling of we're getting we've got a good connection or it feels like we have a good connection when we're messaging one another mm. but then i go on the day and like there's nothing there and yeah. you can see web2 dating apps trying to do things to counteract that you know they're starting to add videos and voice notes and you can call somebody in the app so there's these kind of like they've increased these layers of the potential to connect inside mm. the app and i think that's partly because it's it could be just so difficult to tell who you connect with in reality versus who you seem to connect with online and i feel like also with the evolution of like web3 mm. and the metaverse this is only going to get even more strange and bizarre as we have seemingly a really um seemingly having these interactions online which try to replicate real life yeah but there's this sort of unquantifiable ingre- well, ingredients mm. that are missing unless we meet in reality yeah because you have all these preconceived notions like even back in 2002 when i traveled to the uk and you have these things that are fed to you about a certain culture right like uh, you know after the U- after swansea i went to the us and there's this thing you watch friends or you watch certain shows and you think that these are american girls or american women or american men mm-hmm. and you go there <laughs> thinking that and it's not always the case right you, you meet you meet um, a dorm a floor mate and you're like oh you, you, in your head you're like she's like rachel from friends and she's clearly not and she doesn't like to hear that and um I, I don't know if that makes sense but um it does it does but i think yeah. you're right we just we have stereotypes or ideas or for, and you know to extend i suppose that's somewhat normal and that's how we get through the world right as human beings we label mm. stuff you know we mm. like I, even my to- my toddler knows the difference between a glass and a cup they're very similar but yeah, yeah. he just brackets them differently so i think it's intrinsic that we try to compartmentalize things but i think until we have the real world experience of trying to not only meet someone but form a relationship with them i think it's very easy to either idealize someone so to 
conjure up this fantasy idea of who they are, which probably reflects our only wants, needs and desires or various Walt Disney movies, only yeah. to realise that it doesn't work. Or to kind of stereotype someone without even realising that we're doing it, just because those stereotypes are floating around our head from all the media that we've consumed over the years of our mm. life. Yeah, you know, it's so important to have the physical... Uh, I mean, rejection hurts. It still hurts a lot uh, when you think about the memory of being rejected even. But you know what happens? Like, you know, I'll give you an example. It's it's uh, when, when I went to Swansea, it was the university there. I had no idea what university life was. It's the first time I'm leaving India. I Until a week before, I didn't even know I was going to Swansea, right? Uh, it's a pretty big shock, right? Leaving your home, going to this place and... Um, I think it was the week uh, after week of initiation for fresh the fresh students freshers right and we go to this club and I didn't know when a and and, and a lot most of my hallmates were non-indian and even the people who were indian were second generation third generation indian and I remember a friend saying um after the night in the club he's like did you snog a bird and I had no clue what that was right <laughs> and I, I was baffled, right? Because in my head, he said, no, this is how it is. You go out on the night out, you go on the prowl, whatever the word is, and you kiss a girl. And I'm like, okay, and what happens then? He's like, that's it. You move on to the next girl who's willing to kiss you. I'm like, I thought the girl you kiss is someone you're supposed to spend time with, right? I didn't know that it was so trivial. And um, it took me by surprise, to say the least. And it, it sort of framed my entire time at university there was just to to snog a bird, <laughs> not, but to also not, uh, it, it it skewed my entire way of looking at, I mean, I'm not saying I was like a prude back in Bangalore. It's not like I was like, oh, the first girl I hold hands with after marriage, not, nothing like that. But it, it was just so trivial. The physical act of kissing or holding hands or even having sex was completely upended on my in, in my life and I was just like man the whole focus of my existence has changed it's a snog a bird you know <laughs> and it can and and you know talking about today's day and age where you know when I got rejected I I kind of was immersed with a lot of uh people from the UK and people from the culture of UK and I say even a Sri Lankan uh, who's lived there but in today's day and age, I feel a lot of people, when they get rejected, they flock to their own kind. And I didn't have, I mean, I had the option, but I didn't. My roommates were all British and all English and Welsh. And it kind of gave me a little more resilience, even though at that point it hurt. So what is that um, you've come across in today's kind of thing where people flock to only their like-minded sense of groups? Mm -hmm. I think that's a really interesting question. And in, funnily enough, I was writing, some of the things I do is I write a lot of um, articles in the UK, for UK media about dating. Mm -hmm. and I got a really funny one yesterday and the relevancy of this will become clear. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Someone had just been uh, rejected because she'd had a medical diagnosis of endometriosis. She needed to have children on a certain time frame. Mm -hmm. The guy wasn't interested in doing that. And the article was a lot of going back through the relationship, her detailing from a first person perspective about what happened in their relationship and the various, you know, red flags or warning signs that she'd missed out on. Mm. And I thought, well, it's really interesting writing an article about this because to an outsider, it felt like what that article was seeking to do was to seek validation, really, and to mm. be like, yeah, you know what, that was really horrible. He was really mean, mean to you and I'm not yeah. I'm not here to judge if he was mean or not mean yeah. but it was that need for comfort 
and the need for other people to agree with someone's viewpoint. And I think that's what can be what happens when we get rejected and it can happen in more subtle ways than that. It can be, oh, wasn't that a weird message that person sent me? Or how could they just leave after we had spent those days together and they never got back in touch? I think it's really easy to end up, dare I say, also vilifying our potential dates or interactions or people who reject us because it's painful and a way that we can start our initial reaction sometimes to that pain is well this is a really horrible person yeah and i actually think the really good stuff often the really good learns mm. having you know been that person who vilified my exes and blamed them for everything i think sometimes the really good stuff is in looking at what what if any your part was in creating that experience you know being part mm. of it sometimes bad things just happen to us but a lot of the time I think we co-create our relationships and unless we get back to the root cause of how we've co-created an experience we can't be accountable and then we can't create change so I think it's okay in that moment of rejection to experience that pain and want to vent and you know get your friends or your family or people you trust around you to be partisan and support your worldview but i think once you've done a bit of processing there then it's also helpful to be challenged and to understand okay what was my part in that yeah you know it seems um and correct me if i'm wrong because i i mean don't correct me if i'm wrong please do correct me because i have no clue uh, i'm just pondering this idea of you kind of attract what you put out right I believe so. Lots of people might find that. I think that sen sentiment of you attract what you put out. Lots of people might be like, oh, that's trite. That's an Instagram meme. But I think there's truth in it. I think it's very hard to, there's several things, for instance, if you say, oh, I want someone who's got this, that and the other quality. Do you have those qualities yourself? <laughs> you know, it's mm. usually a good, a good place to start. And I think it's also very difficult to help someone to experience an emotion that you're not really feeling yourself. So if you mm. absolutely hate dating, you hate it, it's the worst thing ever, many, many people do, but you'd like to have experienced joy or playfulness with your dates and partners, it's not really a great surprise <laughs> if you're not feeling that, if you know your current emotional state is, isn't in that way. Mm. However, the that then, then the challenge becomes, if you have had some bad experiences, if you've experienced rejection, if you've been hurt and let down, as most people have in yeah. some way or another, then how do you move past those feelings? And how can you still approach dating with, you know, openness, with playfulness, with joy, with not, with, um, said, not being judgmental, not being jaded? So I think that's the real challenge for people is to change mm. that energetically around dating. Yeah, I, I, another aspect of that attracting what you put out is kind of this sense that if you uh, enter, <clears throat> again, it works on the same stereotype model, when you kind of have an end in sight on to a date, like uh, for instance, could be a date, or when you meet someone, uh, you project this, I need this to end in a certain way, mm -hmm. uh, be it a, a, as this person's my soulmate or my partner or... I have to have this at the end of it. Does that set a certain context, which is, I don't know, healthy or not healthy? And does that happen often? 
I do think people go into dates with, yeah, people go into dates with expectations. Yes. Mm. <laughs> Does right. that frame? And that, as you said, the expectations could be as, as wildly different as I must find a partner before my next birthday or I must have sex with this person because otherwise this date's a failure. You know, it could be yeah, really yeah. getting or taking something on a physical level yeah. or it could be an expectation for a, you know, for a really long, for a long-term um, relationship. And either way, whenever we go into expectation, we project far into the future, we start making assumptions, although we all do this, and I have done this, yeah, I am guilty. Yeah, yeah um, I lived two years, it doesn't it's not help. <laughs> it doesn't, yeah, I'm not saying this from the perspective of I am, I've completely did this right 100% yeah. of the time, but I just observe that it's not helpful. I think the more of a blank slate you can come, and it can be simple things that you can do, you know, like mm. for instance, if you're talking about your date to your friends, and you're like, oh, you know, I think, you know, we're so we get on, you know, we get on so well, or we seem so perfect, you know, for each other. They've got such a great sense of humor. If you can just say, maybe, <laughs> maybe at the end, just finish the sentence with maybe. It's, yeah. and I think sometimes as well, by keeping an openness to the fact that your initial impression is wrong. And mm. lots of people might find this, you might find this funny, but lots of people find that very difficult because they'll be like, well, I'm an experienced dater. I've been on lots of dates. I know what I want. I know what I'm looking for. Well, perhaps you actually don't. Perhaps actually it's going back to the drawing board of being radically open-minded. Perhaps that, and, and again, the ability to be wrong there is really powerful because it might, as, as much as it might mean, yes, this person who seems great might turn out to not be a great partner for you, Equally, it can mean that someone who perhaps doesn't have that initial strong first impression equally could be a good partner to you. So it mm. also keeps possibility open to be positively surprised as well. Yeah, it sounds like maybe too much experience in this field isn't a good thing. <laughs> you know, you <laughs> well, I think it's interesting you said that. Something I'm really interested in by at the moment is experience obviously brings wisdom, but I also feel in dating... Mm there's some aspects of dating almost in a youthful, unimpressioned way, which are really helpful. So a lot of people find that they have more enjoyable dating lives when they're snogging birds on the dance floor, when they're, you know, <laughs> 20, yeah. than they do 10 or 20 or, you know, more years later. And mm. I think that's because what's, what's changed, well, apart from wanting to snog someone, perhaps you don't have any outcome that you're really chasing you're just playing and exploring and experiencing things there's no pressure to reach an end goal on a particular time frame all of your friends are in exactly the same boat so that's also helpful it's not that everybody's started to get coupled up and you feel like you're the last single person left standing yeah. and also you have a sort of untarnished perspective you perhaps are more open and more able you've you haven't yet narrowed down and perhaps become overly rigid in what you're looking for. So I think uh, the ideal is to take some of the knowledge about yourself and how you relate to people, but also to marry that with some of the perspective that you had when you first started out. As I said, that open-mindedness and that joy and that ability to experience things. Yeah, you know, that sounds that sounds really, it sounds like a good way because it's almost like you're taking your knowledge, applying a little bit of wisdom, but also kind of, going back into the unknown with those tools right but yes because you are in the unknown yeah even if you'd love to know on a first date that this whether this person's going to be the you know your life partner or you know you're only going to know them for three hours 
it mm. is unknowable. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, it's a, it, once you accept it's unknowable and you stop trying to overanalyze and figure stuff out, it might actually also be a nicer experience for you. But uh, I just want to understand this idea of uncertainty, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because a lot of people don't want uncertainty. They want to know how things are going to roll out and pan out for them. And as a result, this could be in stage one or like on the first date, or it could be just before they are getting married or what. They kind of apply a certain uh, formula, if you want to call it, or a certain prediction that they want to make their man into a certain way, or they want to make their woman into a certain way, control the outcome of the relationship or uh, or not even the outcome of the relationship, but how the relationship manifests, right? Um, they have a plan. Some people are more uh, plan-oriented. Like in three years, we'll have kids. In five years, uh, those kids are off to school. <laughs> you know what I mean? So uh, w- what happens when um, a situation which has an element of the unknown is uh, dealt to people like these uh, who want to control uh, the person in the relationship or person in the a situation they want to kind of have this projection of where they take it and they also want to make their partner into something that they think so all these various things of controlling right so what what happens mm-hmm. in that context okay so the first thing you, you want to look at there is i would say quite honestly that if you want to control the the end result outcome mm. which is i'd like to be in a relationship in the near of let's say not three years let's say in the near of future yeah, <laughs> let's yeah. keep it too too timeline focused if you are that person, your process to get there is so important. Mm. And even though it may feel more efficient to do things like, you know, what, if I'm on a dating app, I'm just going to ask somebody out on the first message because I'm going to cut to the chase. I haven't got time to mess around or um, I'm going to stick with this person because I've already invested a year in the relationship and I, 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 you know, I can't, you know, just start back over again. Whilst it might feel efficient, it's actually, or or the other way you could say it, it might feel efficient to come to a conclusion on a first, second or third date, this perf- person is perfect and that's it. Might feel efficient is actually highly inefficient mm. because you end up, again, stuck there in things that are very anchored in views that perhaps aren't working for you. Whilst if I think if you maintain more openness at the beginning of the process, it's like if you if you go on so let me rephrase this. If you go on a third date, at the end of the third date, you an interviewer walks into the room and says, "So is this your life partner? How accurate do you think your assessment is going to be?" And you may feel like you really know people well, but I'd say a lot of the time you're going to be wrong. Mm. So it's like if you try and take an early conclusion and run with it, ultimately you will more likely to be wrong and waste more of your time. If you can be more flexible and more go with the flow. And I say this as a very un-go with the flow person, person myself. <laughs> I have like live and die by my Google calendar and my children's schedules. Like I am mm. the ultimate planner. It's my love language. Mm. But I've learned that you, there's, you just can't plan for it. And when you do, that's actually when you waste more time. And remember, it isn't about any one person. There's lots of people who could potentially you could have that emotionally intimate connected experience with. There are many people who could probably be good partners to you. So it's not about getting this one person to fall in love with you in the way that you want. It's actually about developing a process that helps you to meet one of the many people who can be that long-term partner for you. Mm. You know, it's fascinating because it's so many 
I sometimes you just look at your relationships at home with uh, with family and there's so many nuances right like things that you say to get a reaction things that you do to to sort of instigate and then you kind of go meet an unknown person and then just expect things to fall into place which is like yeah it's not gonna happen that easily you know but i was also reading about this thing called perceptual diversity where each person views the world in a different way and it's fascinating, right? When you apply that to a context like dating, when someone has a certain way they smell something, certain way they look at something, something they find attractive, something they find uh, repulsive or something they find emotionally really sort of uh, soothing. There's so many things and you slap that uh, with the context of today's thing where so many things are polarized. You either are liberal or you're conservative. You're either pro, uh, you're either pro-life or you're anti abortion uh sorry you're pro-life or you're pro-choice there's so many extremes there so uh and then you put it in a city like london or new york or which is so diverse culturally and racially and ethnically and how how does it fit like let's talk about london since you live there um um i mean it's how do people even kind of find a common ground I often find actually when it comes to common ground that people will have more things in common than they expect. Mm. Even if they come from diverse backgrounds, I think often there's common human experiences that we can relate on. The problem could be that you may never get to that common ground because it can be hard to be emotionally intimate with people we don't know very well. So perhaps Mm. you're going on to a first date and you have an idea of, who you think they'd like you to be or Mm. what an attractive person is. So you start to try and behave in that way. Perhaps you just simply find it difficult being open with people you don't know. Uh, In England, we've obviously also mastered the art form of small talk. So perhaps you have this small talk where you just never really get to a deeper level of conversation. In all of these things, you could be missing perfectly good opportunities to really connect and to relate to someone but it's because we don't go there in the conversations and the interactions that we have it's not the I personally think it's not the opportunity doesn't exist Mm. yeah you know I find that um, in today's thing we have with the extremes right like um, I forget the person he was um, recently pulled off YouTube Uh, he was this guy in the UK who was You know, I'm talking about the guy who was. I do know um, who you're talking about. I'm, I think it's good. Andrew, that I don't remember his name. Andrew Tate. It was this. Is this is the is? really misogynistic person. Yeah, yeah, I think Andrew Tate yeah, or yeah. something like that, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So you have one side. You have, you know, people like him who are uh, so-called role models for men, which I hope not. But uh, telling them to do all this vile stuff, which then they say, no, no, I didn't mean it in that context. But then you have the other side where you have, of course, I, I'm. I, there are feminists, but then you have the people who are saying all men need to apologize for what men have done in the past, which both extremes are not, I think, not not healthy. Yes. But um, in, then you have some women who come with this uh, this idea, notion of feminism, or some men with this idea of masculinity. Or how does that even work? Because it's so toxic for the woman or the man in that relationship. Um, when you have, say, in the case of a man whose partner is like, you are nothing uh, and you need to shut your mouth because men are horrible beings. Or then you have a woman who's being abused or being similarly spoken to. How, do, how does one um, avoid getting into that trap, either as the abused or the abuser? Mm-hmm. 
for someone who and perhaps you know for people who are experiencing that they may experience it in a way that's more subtle mm-hmm. it'd be like i hate dating all men are this yeah you know they don't want commitment anymore men are just average and women are great you know mm. it could be it could be you know people say things like that quite often i didn't someone said this to me once they said if you really want something you can't get close to something if you dislike it so it's like oh you know i hate rich people yeah, yeah. awful you know well you know you might <laughs> might that might potentially put a block <laughs> to you ever right. creating wealth and i think it's the same with relationships i when we go into blame we just blame whoever the other party whoever that is that we want to attract obviously we were using examples of man to woman, but there's lots of other permutations of that. When you yeah. hate, when you dislike, when you criticize, when it's their fault, again, when you lack accountability or blame rests with them, you're not going to move closer to mm. the kind of relationship that you want. And so I think if that's something, if that's something that's coming up for you, if I hear someone saying that, that's, uh, you know, if I'm speaking to them, that's an automatic flag to me as being like, that's your first port of call of something to work on. It's mm. how to can I like and enjoy this more. And it could even be, oh, you know, like my friends who are in relationships, they just become so boring or I can't get a hold of them anymore. Just, they're disappointing to me. It's like, well, how, if you would actually like your end result is you would like to have a similar relationship to them, how can you take a step back from hate or envy hmm. and how can you actually move forwards into empathy or understanding or connecting with them more obviously if you're in a abusive relationship i think i've been myself I think again there's shades of that and i think hmm. many people have experienced that at least um in i know i can't speak for all society you know many societies don't have support networks for that the yeah. society I speak from in London definitely does. Mm. So it is one Google away from getting support and help, which is what you need. And everything, what's really d- difficult about it is when people are stuck in abusive relationships, often it's because obviously if they thought about the entirety of the relationship, it would be bad, but we focus on the good bits, right? No one's in a relationship mm. that's that's bad all the time or or maybe has historically been bad all the time there was at least some time there where it which felt romantic and exciting or positive or good or there was some connection Mm. and it is actually choosing not to idealize the person and going you know what today this is the relationship me feeling sad or distressed or they've just cut me off or they've dumped me again out of the blue or something worse this is it it's not that you know great first few dates I had with them this is it and it's only going to get worse that's a fun you know that's a fundamental trend it's only going to get worse so I think it's again coming to that point of acceptance when you've given a lot to a relationship when you've invested time energy money into something can be really really difficult but again it's sunk cost fallacy it's like this is the relationship you know the sooner I can seek the help and spot I need to exit the better Mm. Yeah, because it feels like, oh my God, it's so difficult. There's so much uh, I'm going to be leaving behind, but that's maybe what you need to do, right? Right. And it's also not going back to square one. Any relationship yeah. ending is not a return to square one because you have learned and developed things through that relationship. And that's, mm. and I think this can be something, again, as a coach for dating, some things that I look at are things like, okay, 
what are your motivation levels like? Yeah. How able are you to go out there into the world and, you know, meet and interact with all these incredible new people that I believe are out there for you? Probably, I think, one of the most compelling reasons to leave a relationship which isn't serving you or is toxic or whatever you, however you want to frame it, is that it can obviously impact your ability to be playful, joyful, open-minded when you meet someone new who could actually give you a relationship that's really rewarding and fulfilling. So it's Mm. like, it's also for your future self and your future ability to go into that world with, you know, even if your past experiences haven't been great with openness to the fact that you could have the experiences that you want in the future. And that's so, so important. Yeah, it's tremendously, um, you know, I think these dating is obviously the the tool to get into a relationship or one of the things that sort of make your human experience more fulfilling in some way, right? You have fun, you go out, you don't feel as alone sometimes, but um, say you get beyond that. And today I want to, I want to understand because you mentioned you have uh, kids and my wife and I, we have a four month old baby girl now. And yeah, it's, it's quite a um, interesting way to look at life thinking about her, you know, now uh, what she's going to be growing up in the environment and because a lot of us are shaped by what we see around us with our parents, right? And um, the conversation, the dialogue, the relationship that they have. So for you uh, as a person who comes across so many relationships, when you meet people who date, eventually get into a relationship, and you have people who are same-sex parents, people who are single parents, people who are um, parents of different sex. And also then you have this thing of social media, you have this world where um, you hear of stories where there are teenage girls who don't fit in, so they get a they get a sex change and they become a boy, and then they identify and they celebrate for that. So I'm just saying there's a little bit of stuff packed into this. But how, what is the thing that you know we can do as parents um, to give a sense of context to children in this changing uh, environment because there is a lot more available at a lot uh, younger Mm -hmm. age. You know what I mean? To unformed minds. Mm -hmm. Well, I probably have to defer to some more experienced parents. My Mm -hmm. children are quite young still. My current game plan Mm -hmm. is going to be is radical honesty. Right. And (laughs) no phones. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, probably minimum. Well, we always we were already on minimizing screen time and I hear my like two year old going, Ah pad, ah pad, you know, in a fit of rage. (laughs) So how old are your Um, kids? You said one is I have got I've got one who's I've got a girl who's seven months and a boy Ah. who's two and a half. So Oh, so your girl's okay, almost a little older than my girl. Yeah. Yeah, yes. Yeah. So I was like, Oh, I know what that's like. (laughs) Um but that's you know, I think being candid Mm. Is I'm I'm of the camp of being candid is is a really good idea. Funnily enough, my my grandmother who would be over a hundred now, she mm. often remarks that during her generation she was dating during the Blitz, you know, World War Two mm. uh, in London, and she said that her dad, when she was thirteen year old, sat her down and just laid it out <laughs> for her. You know, it's quite unconventional for the time about different sexualities and things that could happen and which I I think she was eternally grateful for that because she didn't feel um she didn't perhaps although it I think she felt that she didn't have so much naivety 
around things mm. and people can including your children especially could always choose to ignore your advice yeah yeah but i think being open and so i think again having an open dialogue is important you know if mm. they're feeling stressed or the situation or someone has let them down you know you'd like to be the person that they turn around and be able to talk to and I say this in a very idealistic way as I said my son is managing like five word sentences so we're not really into <laughs> deep emotional exchange other than ah pad ah pad <laughs> um, yeah yeah but I that's my hope my hope is to be candid my hope is that we can maintain a really open dialogue my hope is to spend lots of time together as a family so he doesn't feel like he needs to go find his tribe you yeah. know in something else or something darker yeah and also to be a realist I hope that as a coach I am a pragmatist and a realist so it's a, for instance it might be you know what if you want to snog a bird or you know you want to <laughs> you want to have if you want to have a one night stand yeah. perhaps go first of all tell people what you're doing and go back to your house you know yeah. rather than go get in the car or go somewhere that you don't know and you're not safe you know so I'd, I'd rather I'm definitely full personally and I know this is something that people have very different moral perspectives and opinions on I sit firmly myself I think in the camp of just be a realist be open about it try and provide safe or safer alternatives rather than mm. assume it's not going to happen yeah I ribbon I think yeah it's nice to know I mean I, I agree with you because sometimes people might say it's too much information they're not ready for it you know but I think I would have benefited from it um, not mm. just knowing the right terminology but also just understanding how these things work you know rejection one night stands uh, knowing that someone might um, appreciate you for a few times or a few dates or a few outings and then realize that's something different or even how to behave and I know this might sound uh, trivial after what we've spoken about, but is there something that, like, for instance, you know, I, I, I'll just use my, uh, my, my, my past as an example in this context. I used to be terrified uh, going on a date with someone, of the girl, because uh, um, uh, I was really worried that I would make a fool of myself because of my eye condition that mm. I won't be able to find her. I'll be, and I joke about this on stage sometimes, but I'll sit at the wrong table. I won't know what to order. I won't be able to read the menu card. I won't be able to read or pick up the check or I might make a fool by knocking something over. And as a result, I never met a girl on a date, uh, I think maybe once on Valentine's Day. And I think I was panicking for two days before and I kind of went there one hour early. I went and found the right chair so I would look cool. The entire thing was sort of so orchestrated that it was stressful. Uh, so it led to a stage where I would only meet girls when I was smashed out of my mind after like a few drinks. So that would be the, the oh, the cool son. And and, and it, it, it became a problem, right? I could never, like even when someone I would meet, uh, eventually then my girlfriend who became my wife, it was I think almost like three years after we started dating, I would go, I went out on a meal sober with her. So yeah, it, it, it's something I'm just sort of using my case as a, something you can maybe help tell people what why why that happens. Well, I think lots of people go on dates trying to be cool. Mm. You know, <laughs> and I think lots of people, whether there's... Um, you know, whether it's a pre-existing kind of medical condition, something in their past, their socioeconomic status, their ethnicity. Mm. Like there's a lot of things that we can feel anxious about mm. during the early stages of dating. And we can try and 
hide from that anxiety, you know, using alcohol or drugs makes it dissipates or at least yeah. gives you the impression <laughs> that yeah, you, yeah, are, yeah. you are displacing the anxiety. Um, again, really, really difficult. But I think, again, we start the start point there is about, again, perspective and outlook. It's like you're actually not on like the most cool or most self-assured thing to know is that you're not on that date to impress mm. somebody else. You don't need to impress them. You need to do a, a relatively okay job of communicating who you are. You need to arrive at that date in a relatively okay, no one is perfect state in your own life so that you have some degrees of stability or self-awareness and to give to that other person to form a partnership. And then it's like, if it's not a match, it's not a match. It's actually not all on you. Mm. You're the, one of the most incredible things someone could give you is that feeling of that you're accepted for who you are. And mm. that can feel really difficult because some, again, go a bit trite or like a nice dating piece of advice that people have heard many times before is, oh, just be yourself. And people yeah. are like, well, I've tried being myself and yeah. hasn't worked out very, very well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But again, I would think, have you really or has anxiety, fear of rejection, some construct of how you think you should behave, has that got in the way? Mm. Have you not, not have you not have you perhaps not connected with the people who understand you and can relate to you well? Is there something about yourself and in your life you're not actually happy or mm. happy enough? Do you not have enough self-acceptance? Is there something like, you know, dare I say it, you know, again, alcohol or drugs or something else that's really impacting your self-esteem and ability to relate to someone in a way that you would expect them to like you? genuinely for how you are today so I think mm. again the truism itself might not feel that not people might be like oh that's just ridiculous but I think there's grains of truth in it and I think again your good kind of guidance for a first date if you can get there is to look to be authentic enough you're not going to be 100% authentic with someone you've met on a first date again it's unrealistic but degrees of authenticity mm. not needing a perfect performance and recognizing there's also things that they have to do to make this date work and if it doesn't work it's not a failing or all your fault from what you're saying it almost sounds like you, when you go dating you don't really need to go on a date you just need to go to a therapist you know you just just <laughs> Maybe do I mean, the therapist's bit first yeah, or yeah, not. Yeah. Do it at the same time. Do it at the same time because we don't need That's to so be finished, finished articles, right? Because the right people, again, yeah. the right partners will, will, those imperfections that we all have, they won't bother the right partners so much or they'll find some way that they will balance us out or will they help to calm us down or ground us. You know, it's fascinating. I just kind of, we've always been told that the relationship is the ultimate um, goal for someone single, right? To find someone. But it almost sounds, and it from experience, it feels also that a relationship is just the beginning of, or rather it's, it's a means to this human experience that you can figure out um, what you are doing or what you're meant to do through exposing and sh laying out your vulnerabilities, kind of making peace with stuff that you weren't happy about and not comfortable about accepting and your ideas of self-worth and the ideas of what gives you fulfillment and joy through this person who kind of reflects back what they want um, and what you want in some way. So it's, it's, it's almost like it's 
this idea to something beyond just the two of you or just this idea that I found someone. You know? mm-hmm. And it's really interesting in the world of dating advice as well, particularly men's dating advice. It, it kind of, it, it slows down after Snogabird and it entirely mm. drops off a cliff after take, take a woman back to your apartment. That's it. <laughs> you yeah. know, it is, yeah. And the irony is, I think the, the bigger work is maintaining and building the relationship that follows. Yeah. And there isn't, again, there isn't an end goal or in there isn't an end goal because even in you if you're in a really successful happy long-term relationship you're still experiencing challenges together you'll both change mm. as or evolve somewhat as people you know you might have children or other things that really shift the dynamic of the relationships so there's almost like infinite it's like it's kind of endless mm. and likewise i don't think it's always um superior a superior state of being you know i think that sometimes we can think that you know being single is is you know bad, lesser yeah yeah and being yeah, in a yeah. relationship is better and yes being in a, if that's what you want being mm-hmm. in a happy relationship is amazing but it's so much better to be sing you know, as my again going back to this is one of my grandmother's quotes better to be left on the shelf than locked in the wrong cupboard yeah so, that's that's nice yeah yeah there's yeah. lots of things you can learn on the shelf you know so it's i think a uh, singleness can be a really fantastic period in your life as can being mm. in a really fantastic relationship or you can be unhappy single or unhappy in a relationship yeah no it's that's that's quite quite crazy that we give so much uh, uh so much rigid definition to one state or the other right which mm-hmm. kind of um, it's good in this way it's bad in this way it's better this way it's better this way. so it just kind of makes the entire thing uh, <clears throat> so it makes it so outcome oriented as opposed to mm-hmm. the experience right but yeah, exactly. I, I want to understand you know about about your journey if um, and, how, and how did how did your experience shape um what you're doing now i mean why did you uh i mean why, why what led you to this course of work and this way of thinking and looking at life and helping people i think what led me to this course is you know usually it's as i think lots of people experience as a way of dealing with like of pain or mm. lack of knowledge or you know disappointment or difficult emotions so i think like many like many many people i've uh, you know, had the classic things, being a bit of a geeky outsider teenager experiencing rejection, you know, the usual stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then um, it was quite naive, again, usual stuff. Then um, by all, by chance, I stumbled across this community of pickup artists, which is, mm. you know, that's sort of like a, the, the nebulous underbelly of the dating industry, which mm. is uh, men teaching other men how to seduce women and there's it sounds terrible on paper in my experience there are coaches that are doing really really good work in helping men there are other coaches who are doing really horrible things and spreading terrible messages but again i'd be careful not to say that it's all all bad yeah yeah and really what that world gave me though is this insight that you could you know through inner work or you know practical skills there were things you could try and do to learn to master this area and that again really appealed to me because at the time I was like great I can master this that means of course I can create this sort of superhero version of myself that's never going to be ultra confident do all the things that I never did could ever dream of doing and you probably won't have to experience rejection and then 
after you know going from the geeky girl to the woman who you know had all the cool friends and the cool invites and the cool boyfriend all this cool stuff obviously realized that was pretty vapid and empty and that also a lot of the relationships I was choosing apart from the fact they look cool on paper were you know deeply toxic and just made loads of really bad decisions again I think this is pretty common mm. <laughs> for someone in their 20s yeah. I don't think I'm any much of an exception there um and I sort of like did a had some particularly bad life events happen and that acted a bit like a hardcore reset and I realized I'd been obviously looking at this whole thing sort of upside down and whilst I'd acquired all these skills you know like I the through the pickup world taught me how to teach people and how to meet lots of people in real life so that was really cool. You know, I could do that and I could teach other people to do that. It's very fun. I yeah, could know yeah. how to be attractive and confident in a superficial way, but I didn't really understand how to actually build meaningful relationships or find someone who actually liked me for without the superhero or supervillain cape on. Mm-hmm. So I went on a little journey of self-discovery through that. And, you know, and at the same time, that really evolved how I was teaching people as well my company still does a lot of skill-based training because I think there's at certain stages in your life there's a real merit in being like you know what I am going to learn to meet people I'm going to be socially confident enough that I Mm. can start a conversation with someone and as I said we don't it we work with everyone so it's not just a man man to woman thing we're like we're, we're completely open on that front it was also super cool for me to reverse engineer stuff and be like, okay, if I was a woman who wanted somebody to approach me, how could I do that? Those, all those skill-based things are really fun. But underpinning yeah. that, you've got to have some principles in place, which are about what are we really aiming for here, people? It yeah, can't yeah. be just to get 10 people's phone numbers because you know what? That's First of all, it's really lame. Yeah. <laughs> it isn't actually cool. Yeah. Um, and it, what's that, how is that serving you know, your end goal? Um, as a person so I think like most people as I am maturing mm-hmm. feel like I'm learning a bit more and my big learning at the moment is to do more learning because I'm finding the people that I think are most fascinating interesting accomplished people are the ones who are least said least rigid most open most open to hearing other perspectives most willing to learn and to graft and to go back to the beginner's mindset of maybe actually everything I've thought about so far comma it might be wrong <laughs> so uh, I'm sure if we spoke to me in five years time I hope that if you spoke to me in five years time I'd back some of the things I said during this interview and think other ones were complete rubbish and yeah. I hope that's the trajectory I go on. No that's a beautiful way of looking at it right because I think this idea of wrong is really undervalued and we kind of always want to be right and say you know what that box is ticked I'm done I'm moving on to the next right thing well the wrong actually might give you that that perspective that you wouldn't uh, have actually had. So it's no, it's, it's brilliant. Um, thank you so much, uh, Haley, for um, sharing your story. And also, I think just give me, give me and people listening right now a little sense of what it means, you know, because there's so much out there and so much pressure, especially in, in an economy and in a society kind of coming out like India, where people coming from smaller towns mm-hmm. to larger towns, there's this pressure of money, there's this material sort of attachment to given um, and also breaking away from certain uh, traditional ways of finding a partner. There are a lot of people who are in uh, larger families where there's a lot more pressure. There's a lot more sort of claustrophobic, uh, like claustrophobic sensations that you can't do certain things for men and for women. There is 
older ways of looking at relationships at, at gender roles etc so just for people listening right now i think it makes sense to hear why and how and the importance and the values that are in place of why you need to be with someone how it helps to have fun so um, yeah i mean that's that's thanks so much i think that's it's really really helpful and really kind that you have shared or shared all this Oh, it's my pleasure. Really happy to have come up. Really, you know, great, really great questions. I really found that really fascinating. Um, I'd say uh, if you are a man or someone who likes to pursue in relationships, let's put it that way, mm-hmm. um, you can find out more at hayleyquinn.com forward slash attraction. Mm-hmm. And if you are a woman or someone who likes to receive, <laughs> then you can head to hayleyquinn.com um, forward slash circle. And, you know, there's lots of... Uh, advice out if, it, if I'm, I'm highly googleable so yeah. if you're interested in hearing more advice you can find that on the wonderful thing that's the internet brilliant and i think you should visit india because i think this context will give you a very very different i would love perspective. to it's yeah. so interesting yeah there's so many moving parts right now with um there's so much need there's so much greed there's so much wanting there's so much you know belonging acceptance so it's, it's really nice mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, not really nice, but it's a really interesting time. It uh, could be nice, could also not be very nice. But appreciate it. And uh, yeah, good luck with everything and your future projects and uh, and with your two little uh, lovely children and, you know, raising them and with your family. So thank you and all the best with everything. Oh, thank you. You too. Take care. Thanks, Haley. Take care. Bye. Hey, thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you like what you heard, please do check out the other episodes on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast. And I would much appreciate it if you could like the video, share it with people who you think might enjoy it. And of course, do subscribe to the channel because it will help me and the podcast grow and reach more people just like you. So thanks again. Appreciate it.